listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, Lakers fans, welcome to a new episode. Your squad, 21-3. and three. Hands up if you thought they would actually be this good at the 24-game mark. And if you do have your hand up, you're lying right now because nobody, nobody thought that that was going to be the case. Uh, Lakers ended up beating the Timberwolves 142-125. This game, all about the new big man in town, Anthony Davis, 20 of 29 from the field. 10-10 from the free-throw line, 50 points, 7 rebounds, 6 times. To help his cause out, LeBron James, 32 points. 13 assists. Those two combined for 82. I was joking after last game that, hey, two guys combined to score 70 points, you're going to be okay. Those guys combined for 82 tonight. So uh, Lakers looking great, looking pretty. Joining me to talk, to touch on everything, a man who's a part of the Silver Screen and Roll family. He hosts a weekly podcast, also writes for silverscreenandroll.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to our network and give us a rating as well. Hopefully it's five stars because, you know, we do a pretty good job over here. Alex Regula. Alex, what's going on, my man? I'm good, Jess. Thanks again for having me on. All right, so let's jump into this first, okay? Like I mentioned, the Lakers, basically, I think we're kind of toying with the Timberwolves in this one. I never really felt like the T-Wolves were a threat, even in the second quarter. LeBron James, if you missed the game, had to leave the the game in the second quarter with three fouls. Uh, As soon as he did, T-Wolves went on a run. Frank Vogel took the gamble, put him back in. He got foul number four. Uh, But in that meantime, the Lakers got back into it and won on a nice run without him on the court towards the end of the quarter. This all goes back to Anthony Davis. 50 points in 39 minutes. Just abused, abused anybody that was guarding him on the Timberwolves. You were, you were, you were tweeting this out, uh, Alex, and you can follow Alex at Alex Amregla. Uh, you are tweeting out his shot chart. Why do you think he was so successful tonight? I thought it was because he just really, really uh, focused on attacking the rim and kind of lived in the, the restricted area tonight. Like, his jumper looked good. Like, he was doing these little, like, mid-post jumpers and... But most of them came in the paint, nothing really outside. He, I think it was like the first player in almost a year to, to score 50 without making a three-pointer. So it, it kind of just, just shows that you can still be dominant in the post and, and really good attacking the rim if you have someone of AD's caliber. And for the Lakers, I mean, that's a huge advantage they have that other teams don't. Like just his pure size and athleticism and coordination to, to score 50. And it didn't really look that hard for him tonight. Like... It was a really easy 50, and that's something that's really hard to do. Like, he was, he got 10 trips to the free throw line and continues to make them 10 for 10. Like, he, he's, he was wonderful tonight. Like, he was really, really good. Well, you're, you're, you're touching on the fact that, you know, he was scoring in the, in the restricted area. And I, I pointed this out uh, last week as well on the podcast, and I was doing some number crunching too. When he gets to the free throw line, amid, like double digits 10 times, coming into this game, he was averaging 34. A night when he's able to do that and so for me and I, I've looked at some of the games where AD has been off on the offensive end he's settling right he's settling for for face-up jumpers he's settling for high post jumpers where he's not even making his defenders think what he what he's going to do and then I noticed that like when I'm watching him play in this one when he's able to get to the rim and and get to the free throw line like that then when he's doing the face-up jumpers his defender has to be a little bit more cognizant of the fact that okay this guy's athletic enough he's fast enough that if I if I don't if I if I uh, if I get too far up on him, he's going to go by me and probably get to the line or or get an easy layup. So I almost have to respect the fact that he's going to beat me like that. Whereas in other games when he's he's catching the ball and turning and facing up in the post and and he's not really going yet at this point, the defender's kind of like okay, I'll, I can hand up a hand up and be a little bit up on you, you know what I mean, and, and challenge your shot more. And so I feel like that's going to be important. And the more him and LeBron are starting to figure out because that pick and roll between them, and I was joking about this. I'm like, if they can run that 80 times a game, how many times would they score? A ton. Like, yeah. I, like either of them are going to score or at least get to the free throw line. 
like it's gonna it's gonna always result in something good because it's gonna have AD kind of attacking the rim off a, off a roll or a lob or something like that, and that's just you know analytically and just eye test wise, like that's always gonna result in something good. And I thought you brought up a really good point about the free throws. Like usually when a player is struggling with his jumper or is kind of taking bad shots, they kind of always like as a coach or as like as a player, you'd want to get to the free throw line, get those easy chances, you know, see get your form right. And I think that helped him tonight because his, his mid-range posts look really good. Like his little floating jumpers look good. And that could be a big result just because he got to the line so much and saw the ball go through the net early. And usually when a guy goes to the line that much and gets in that type of rhythm, he's going to get, he's going to have a big night. Like we see that with James Harden, like every game, because he gets to the free throw line so much. He's always in a good rhythm. He's always putting up points. And like, I think that's a good formula AD can follow. Yeah, and, and, and that's where I think we're in, – in today's NBA, and by today's NBA, I mean like over the last four or five years, especially since the Warriors kind of style took over, which is that people fall in love with the jump shot. And it's like basketball is, is all about – it's simple, man. The closer you are to the hoop, there's a reason why big men always have the highest field goal percentage in the league because they're closer to the rim when they're, when they're taking their shots. And so with Anthony Davis, it's like, dude, you're great at what you do. And I understand you, you want to be able to hit threes and you want to be able to stretch the floor like that, which is great, but don't force it. And I feel like when we're seeing Anthony Davis do what he did in this one against the Timberwolves earlier, uh, it, it, it's, it's beautiful to watch. And, 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 you know, you're looking at him, you're just abusing anyone that was guarding him. If Carl Anthony Towns was near him, he was getting killed out there. You know what I mean? They tried putting Covington on him a couple of times. He got smoked there too. And, and so for me, it's like AD, as long as he remembers that, he has, to, he has to stay aggressive and he's the best big man on the floor. And by big man, I mean, get your ass to the hoop and get easy layups because nobody's going to be able to stop you doing it. When you're looking at the, and you do a lot of work on the analytical side of it, is, are, have you seen or picked up on anything in the data that shows you like how much more efficient he is or just with your eye test in terms of when he's driving or, or when he's you know, settling for jumpers? I, I, mean, I mean, I haven't really tracked it since early in the season, but I know like those first 10 games and even the preseason, he, his jumpers were not falling. Like he was shooting a really bad percentage on his, like just on jump shots, not just threes, just jump shots in the half court. And he was doing really well in post ups. Obviously, at pick and roll and as a lob man stuff like that. So obviously, you're going to generate more points going closer to the rim, like you said. And that's something that I'm actually I wrote an article today about and should be out tomorrow about. I think is the biggest strength so far with this team is that their size and how much they kind of leverage and exploit that size down low. Like, if it's not AD, it's Dwight or McGee getting lobs and dunks. Like, they're not shooting a lot of threes this season. I think a lot of people have mistook that, you know, mistaken that they're shooting a better percentage from threes, but they're not shooting a lot. I think they're like 26 or 27 in terms of the percentage of threes they take a game. And I think because of that, they're, they're relying on attacking the rim, and they've been really, really dominant. I think they're like number one or two in the league in terms of conversion rate, like within four feet of the basket. So they have all this size, and I think with AD specifically, you have to leverage that, and you have to feed them, and you have to have them attack the rim and not settle. Like you said, if you're a defense and AD is settling for jump shots, that's got to be a win for you. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what you would want. I was going to make a WWE reference there and say, like, uh, where you're saying, like, you know, he's, he's, he's a beast and stuff, and I was going to say, feed me more, you know, the Ryback <laughs> one, because I know you love wrestling too, but... Yeah. Uh, um, I, that's interesting you mentioned that, how, how fast, the, or pardon me, how, how big the Lakers are. Because in this one today, and I, and I was looking up some of the numbers during the game, it's like, okay, the Lakers had 15 fast break points in the first quarter. And the T-Wolves wow. only give up 12 a game anyways, right? So you imagine the Lakers surpassed that in 12 minutes, and then they ended up finishing the game with 32 fast break points. And so when I'm looking at that, 
uh, to me, and, and this was surprising, over the last few games, the Lakers are actually fifth in, in, in or fourth, pardon me, in pace. And they're pushing wow. the game, pushing the pace. And that was not something I expected coming into this year because I'm like, given the age and kind of the roster composition in terms of not a ton of like sheer athletes or young guys who are, you know, pogo stick guys who are jumping up and down and fast. It's, it's more of a veteran team that play a little bit more centered to the ground. Obviously, you have LeBron and AD and, and JaVale and Dwight, but the rest of their, their guys, I mean, maybe Alex Caruso on, on any given night can go set off and do a, do a crazy dunk. But I mean, for the most part, he plays below the rim. And, and when I was looking at that and how much the Lakers were pushing the pace today, I don't think it was a result of anything that there was a game plan. I, I just think the way that they're kind of coming together in terms of learning, learning each other and, and learning how, okay, if I'm running on the fast break, I know where Danny Green's going to be. I know yeah. where Alex Caruso's going to be. I know that, that, uh, that Anthony Davis is doing the traditional big man thing, which is you know, running rim to rim, basically. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not stopping or JaVale's going to be there for the lob. And so what I, what I saw them running today was just more out of – because it's not like they were, get, they were getting out of great defense. I mean, they're deep. They, they gave up 125 points to a, to a middle-of-the-run Timberwolves team. So it's not like they were playing great defensively. It was just kind of what was coming to them. And, and that, to me, is a scary part for the rest of the league, right? If you're looking at it, these guys are able to beat you in a game that, that could turn into a track meet like it did tonight. They could beat you in a bit of a defensive struggle like it was against the, the Nuggets that game, or I think it was 101-96 for – uh, for the Lakers, where it could be a little bit more low scoring, or they can beat you in a game where, where they're just going to kind of try and beat you down physically. And we, we've seen that happen too. So uh, w when you're looking at this Lakers team, it's almost like they don't have an identity, which is not a bad thing because they're 21 and three. <laughs> I, no, that's a really good point. Like, how do you game plan for this team then? Like, you, you, can't, you, you can say, like, this is a really good defensive team. We're going to have to be effective with their offense. But at the same time, they can do what they did tonight and just outscore you. And yeah, like, it, it's really tough for opposing teams like it, you you have this these two elements to this team defense and offense like tonight obviously the defense wasn't there and the defense has come and gone the last few weeks but consistently they've been like a top five defense all season long it was yeah. the offense it was the offense early on that they really struggled with but you know the past month or so they've just been amazing offensively and again it's not even their, their three-point shooting like three-point shooting was really good tonight 45 percent but just everything in the rim, I think they shot like 85 or 86% at the rim today. Like, that's just dominant. Like, they, they, can't, they can't stop doing that. Like, you have an advantage, and they're taking, you know, full advantage of it. Like, with McGee and Howard and Anthony Davis and even LeBron attacking. I think yeah. that's the identity. They're just so physical when they go to the rim. They just beat teams up, and they wear them down. Yeah, they're a t they're a top five team. I mean, they're 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 fourth in the league right now, averaging fifty three points a game for uh, for points in the paint. Part of me per game, and and you're looking at that, and like you're mentioning, like it's just been so easy. And I said this, you know, early in the season, and, and a few times as we got into you know from October twenty second from tip off through the first month, I'm like, okay, let's just give it some time because the defense is looking better than we thought it would. You know what I mean? That that early in the season, and we were I was kind of preaching like, be patient because the offense is going to come. And, and they're going to keep getting, you know, more comfortable with each other. They're going to keep kind of figuring out what works, what doesn't, figuring out what set plays work and which ones don't. And now you're starting to see that. Like, I mean, the last three games, they went 121 in Utah, 136 against Portland, 142 in the win against uh, Minnesota. A little bit of a, of a down run against Denver, as I mentioned, they scored 105. But, I mean, that, was, that pace of that game was quite slow. And, and you look at that, it's like they're just getting better and better. And, and, you, and I'm looking at it now like, okay, LeBron James was kind of leading the team a lot early in the season. The last, what, one, two, three, uh, seven games, Anthony Davis has been the leading scorer. And so this is taking off the heat off of LeBron, which is what he said he wanted to do early in the before the season even started. So, I mean, to me, it's scary for the rest of the league. And, and I said this, and people started tweeting at me, and, 
and getting upset with me for saying, I think the Lakers can win anywhere between 63 and 70 games. And I, do you think that's far-fetched at this point? Uh, at this pace, no. Like, er, going into the season, I, I wasn't that... I mean, I was optimistic, but I wasn't as optimistic as you, like, with those win totals. But, I mean, just at the rate they're on, yeah, I mean, that's totally realistic at this point. And uh, it doesn't seem like they are trying to load manage as much as I, I would have expected. Like, they... Like today, LeBron only played 27 minutes. And I know that was because of foul trouble, but that almost was like a blessing in disguise. I got him some extra rest tonight. And I think there's going to be a lot of times this season where they do need to find times for these guys to, to get a day off or something like that because they're, they're starting to build a nice little lead in the West. And I think eventually down the road, they might rest some, some guys and some losses might come because of that. But I think they're on a great pace right now. And I think they're way ahead of schedule than a lot of people thought they would be at this point listen to me alex there's no load management okay there's no need, no need for it. keep rolling with them if somebody's hurt or you're scared they're going to get a little bit worse sit them but i i'm not a fan of load management i think you know i understand if you want to sit a guy two or three times a season because you need to but I, I'm, I'm not a fan of doing it uh consistently because right now the games mean too much and you want to be at home throughout the playoffs and i think that's going to be hugely important for these guys as well no, for sure. I, I, I just, every time Anthony Davis falls or reaches for his eye or just lands, like he always lands so awkwardly, it's really scary. And I don't know if I could do that for a full 82-game season with him. <laughs> so you're like, all right, AD, you know what? Your shoulder's bothering you or something like that. Just just take it easy tonight, homie. That's, that's the way you're looking at it. Bubble wrap it. Yeah, bubble wrap <laughs> that thing. Well, one, okay, I don't want to be Mr. Negative, but, I mean, we have to talk about a little bit of the downside of the team. Let's jump into some of those things after a short break. All right, and we are back. As I mentioned, uh, off the top, Lakers 142-125 win over the Timberwolves. I uh, want to get into this with you, Alex. Kyle Kuzma. A lot of people are, are, are dogging on him and ragging on him for, for not being the guy that we expected him to be so far. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a guy who came in here. His, his career average has been 16, you know, almost 17 points a game. This year, he's averaging 11. Hasn't looked completely comfortable. And when I'm, when I'm saying this from this perspective, yes, I understand he missed a couple of months. He had that injury with Team USA, so he had to, you know, get his feel for the game, get his feet wet, get his conditioning back. So you give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, you know what, let's, let's wait about a month and, and let him find his footing. So that happened, and ever since then, it's not, it's not really getting any better. And, and, and a lot of people are looking at him, and it, to me, it has, been, it has been a bit of a disappointment in the sense that we expected Kuzma to be... I don't want to say as prolific as Lou Williams, because I, I think you'd be foolish if you thought that, but you wanted him to play that type of role where he's the coming in scoring 16, 17, 18 points a game. Hasn't been able to do that on a consistent basis. Only had seven points tonight. Uh, the last, you know, what, six or seven games as high has been 15. Uh, hasn't scored in the 20s since way back on, on November the 13th against Golden State. Why do you think he's struggling so much? I, I think it's because of that. I'm not really sure what his role is actually is on this team like I think like going into the season we thought you know like you said I like guess Lou Williams type six-man guy but I'm not I, I don't he's definitely not that and I don't think fans should have expected that from him he's not that type of individual creator who can just get to the line anytime he wants he's not that good of a shooter like he's he's doing pretty well shooting wise from, from deep this year which is encouraging but if he's not really scoring or getting chances to score he's not going to impact the game in a big enough way to to kind of see him progressing and playing well. Like, I think his defense has been solid this year. Like, I think it's, like, quietly been pretty good. He doesn't grab a lot of rebounds. He doesn't get a lot of assists. So if he's not scoring, and defense often kind of goes overlooked if we're not watching closely with him. 
then yeah, it, it's going to look like he's struggling out there. And I think the biggest thing is I, I'm not sure they're they're using him. Not I wouldn't say properly, but I don't think he's very comfortable within the offense they're running at the moment. Like he's nope. cutting, but then he's not getting found on those cuts. He's either doing that or standing in a corner, and either Rondo or LeBron are kind of you know have the ball in their hands, and he's kind of left just kind of floating around the perimeter. So I think they definitely have to get him you know in motion more and finding him on cuts and easy leak out passes and like his scoring chances today were all kind of from the mid range and kind of contested jumpers and that's not really his game he's better off motion guy on these little floaters and curls and stuff like that so i think they just have to find a way to include him within their offense a bit more you know what dude i I agree with you and i'm almost saying this in this way too like the lakers bench is a really weird mix of individuals do you get what i'm saying i don't and i'm not blaming rob plinka for it of course you can't they're freaking 21 and 3 right so obviously he did something right but when i'm looking at it i'm like okay we're like when you have Rondo there, and let's just say LeBron and AD are off the court because they're they're getting some rest or whatever. One of them has foul trouble, and you're going with a lineup of like Rondo, Caruso, um, you know, Daniels, uh, Dwight Howard, Kyle Kuzma, and uh, Danny Green or, or whatever it is out there. And and you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, the way Kuzma I feel like has has done well, and 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 I'm not going to bash him, and, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. Like I remember the Raptors in in 2005 uh, were terrible. And Mike James, and you know, who, I don't know if you know who Mike James is. Mike James put up 20 points a yeah. game on the Raptors, and they put they won 24 games that year. And you're like, wow, this guy scored 20 points a game. The Minnesota Timberwolves gave him a fat contract, and of course, he went to a decent team, and he sucked because that's what happens. And, and I'm looking at Kuzma, and it's like, okay, you haven't made the playoffs. You've been on a team that's been a perennial lottery team every year you played on them. Guys put up good numbers on that. I'm, I'm from Vancouver. I was a Grizzlies fan growing up. Sharif Abdurrahim, very good <laughs> player, not an all star, not not going to be not going to be a guy who's going to score 20 points a game on a team that's making the playoffs. He can score 20 points a game on a team that's winning 25 games, but he's not going to be able to do that on a consistent basis on a winner. And I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not dogging Kuz. I just think the expectations need to be tempered a little bit because on a winning team, he's a guy who's probably going to score between 10 and 13 a night. And then that's just the way it is. And, and you mentioned that too, in, in terms of the flow of the offense, especially when the second unit is out there. And if he's on the court out there with LeBron and AD, dude, you're not even an option at that point, right? They're going to take the, if you're running a pick and roll with LeBron and AD, you're going to take, you're either going to, if the defense sells out and tries to stop the, the, the roll or tries to stop the pick and pop or whatever, if LeBron comes off and decides to, decides to drive to the rim and the defense collapses on him, they're going to look to the corners to get shooters there. And if Kuzma's there, great. But I, I think what I'm seeing from him sometimes, he's A, he's, he's, he's trying way too hard. Like when he's catching the ball, it's like instead of making the easy pass, he's looking to penetrate right away or he's catching the ball and shooting without his feet getting sat on a, on a three-pointer. To me, I... I think this is something I want to keep an eye on going into. And again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of missing a couple of months. But if he, if you know, we're into the new year and he's still struggling like this, it's like I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look at Kyle Kuzma and say, "Wow, you're the third best player on this team." I'm going to look at him and say, "You're a cog in the machine, and you just better do your job out there and not take dumb shots." Right? Yeah, I think a lot of the times when I watch Kuz and he catches the ball and he hasn't touched the ball in a while, he's one of those players who's like, "You know what? I haven't scored any points. It's like it's my turn. Like I gotta put up a shot yeah, here." Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, and I think a lot of that plays into the narrative. I'm not saying that he created for himself, but what national media thinks of him and the type of player that they think he's the third star of the team, and they expect 20 points a night. But that's just not the role or the kind of responsibility the team needs for him. They need him to be kind of like you said, a cog of the team. Just play good defense, spot up, make your spot up shots, cut, and just be an important part to to this team. I don't think 
like obviously we need Kuzma to play well, and if he becomes like a the third star of the team, fantastic. But I just don't know how realistic that is this season. And I think if you're putting that pressure on him to do that, he's going to start to play outside of his own self and his game, and he's going to hurt the team. I think if he just plays solid defense, and like he was three of seven tonight, like that's not great, but it's not bad. Like he's spotting up his his wide open three point shots are way better than they were last year. He's not cutting as much. He's not getting found on those cuts as much. And that's because, like you said, he's playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis now. Every single year so far he's been in the league, it's been a different dynamic. Like that first year, that team was really bad. And he got to put up a lot of shots and a lot of points. And he got a lot of the you know publicity because of that. The second year, he was LeBron's running mate. So he had to learn how to do that. And now this year, he has to play off LeBron, Anthony Davis, and a ton other guys. So it's it's got to be hard for him too as a, as a player to kind of find where he fits in with this team because they got championship aspirations and he's never been to the playoffs or anything like that so i think he's still trying to find his footing and for a young player one of the only young players on this team that's got to be hard yeah but you know what? he's not that young anymore he's 24 true. he's 24 he's not like he's 19 20 where it's like all right dude you know get your feet wet figure things out he's 24 and i i just feel like when i'm looking at him it's almost from a point of, like you're mentioning, like it's it just the force and stuff. And it, it, maybe it's just the way the offense is set, right? Because you look at other teams, uh, you look at a team like the Warriors where a lot of the offense was based on, I'm not talking about this year. God, they stink, right? I'm not talking about that. But you look at the team, where obviously in their heyday, the last four or five seasons, it was a lot of, yeah, we have Steph Curry, we have uh, Clay Thompson, we have Draymond Green, and then you had Kevin Durant after that. And they, they were able to cut and read. It was a read and react offense, you know, almost to a point. Like they had a lot of great set plays. But a lot of it was read what your defender's doing, read what's going on with the ball, and react to it, whether that's a backdoor cut, whether that you want to go set down a, a pin-down screen, whether you want to do a, a stagger screen, a side-by-side screen, whatever it is, just read off of it and, and kind of react to it, and you'll get your open shots. And I think that's where Kuzma is going to be better because on a team where it's like, okay, you got AD and LeBron, you got AD maybe you know posting up, LeBron at the top of the key, and you got two shooters in the corner. And and for 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 Kuzma, it's like, okay, I need to be where the ball is moving consistently all the time, and you can find me off a backdoor cut, you can find me you know coming off a screen and and, and almost like the Brandon Ingram style, like curling off a screen and and being able to take a jumper. And so when I'm looking at just the makeup of the offense, I just don't think that we can expect him going forward to be scoring 15, 16 a night. Does that mean that he's never going to score 20 points? in a game of course he is he has the capabilities of that but when I look at the Lakers bench and 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 this was I I thought to me and I, I still do think that it might be an issue in certain games especially in the playoffs when you're playing higher end cal- caliber op- opponents but when, when I'm looking at this Lakers squad it's like you don't need somebody to consistently come off the bench and score 18 points a, a night for you what you need is one of those guys coming off the bench to score 15 16 and then everybody else chips in with six seven eight and sometimes Kuz is going to be that guy and sometimes he ain't no, definitely. And and the offense you were kind of you're describing about the Warriors, that's kind of the offense Kuz has always been well and like really good in. Like he cuts, he has really good instincts when to cut. He moves well off the ball. I'm not really sure what's I think the bench also has kind of like hasn't been consistent in terms of like who's in the bench rotation because of the injuries. So he's kind of always playing with that like with Rondo, without Rondo, with KCP, without KCP. It's always a kind of weird mix up because of these kind of little injuries they've had during the season. So I'm not sure how big of a role that has played, but I agree. I think he he needs to find a way to kind of impact the game without scoring. And he's not going to score like 16, 18 points this game, just uh, this season, just because there's not enough touches to go around this year. Like there's not enough shot attempts for him to do that, I don't think, consistently. So I think, you know, from people watching this team from afar and checking just the box scores and they say, oh, Kuzma only has seven points tonight. 
I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of that this year, just because he's not going to get the 14, 15 shots he used to get. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that, man. I mean, I, I just think it's just the flow of the of of the way the team is set, and, and like you mentioned, and I love this about Frank Vogel too. Let, let's touch on him as well. I love the fact that Frank Vogel is like, hey, man, um, I don't have a set rotation. It's not like last yeah. year with Luke where it was like, yeah, cool. We know that LeBron's going to play X amount of minutes in the first quarter. And then, you know, this guy's coming off the bench at this moment. It's like this season he's been like, all right, dude, you're not playing well. Like Quinn, could t- Quinn Cook the last few games just sucked, right? Let's just call the spade a spade. He's been terrible. He got the first chance today because Rondo's hurt and, and they bought him off the bench and he was not noticeable again. I mean, in fact, he's one of the, he was the worst plus minus on the team at minus 13. And, and so, you know what? Frank Vogel looked at him and said, you know what, dude? Sit your ass down. I'm not going to play you. And, and he's kind of rolling with who's playing well and who isn't. And, and what I'm finding with, with, with Kuz at those points, too, like you mentioned, I, I think the narrative around it and, and the hype he has gotten, I think, I don't want to say it got to his head. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that because I don't know him personally, and I, I don't know that. But I think that he's looking at it, and he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to deliver as that. And when he's forcing it, he hasn't been good. And he's had a few of those games, like against Chicago, where, where he, he, put up, uh, he put up a good amount of points. Like I mentioned, where he played against the, the Warriors, where the game was coming to him. And when the game's coming to him, he's much, much better than, than he is when he's trying to force things. And, and he has to realize, and you mentioned that, Alex, like, they have championship aspirations now. It's not a team that's like, can we get into the playoffs? And if we can, you know what, maybe we could steal a couple of games and maybe, maybe get into the second round. Now it's like, dude, you got to find where you fit in on a squad that has two of the best five players in the league, and that's the way you're going to be successful. Otherwise, you ain't going to be wearing the purple and gold very soon, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so do you think it's more of a, a mindset thing with him at this point, or do you think it's mainly just how they've been using him and the other, you know, situations in game? Or do you think it's something that he needs to kind of get past, like on his own kind of mental state at this point? I think it's a mix of both. I think number one is the fit. Mm-hmm. Um, how does he fit on, on this team in this offense? Hey, when, when you're playing with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, you're one of the top three guys. You're probably you're one of the top two guys offensively, probably behind Ingram. You know what I mean? Before LeBron got here. Then LeBron comes in. And you're still, you're, you might be the second option behind LeBron. You might be third, depending on how Ingram's rolling or if Ingram's in the lineup. And now I, I just think that the way this team is set up and the way the offense is ran, I, I don't know if there's a fit for him to be a guy who's in a, I think there's a fit with him on the team. Absolutely. And I still think he's going to have a couple of games where he's going to win you some because he, he puts up 20, 25, you know what I mean? But I don't think that we sh- we're going to see that consistently with him. So I think it's number one, predominantly the fit. And I think number two He's, he has to kind of get in where he fits in with his team. And, and right now, that's going to be an adjustment for him. Definitely. And like tonight, like he had seven shots and a guy like Alex Crusoe had 11. Like I'm not sure going into the season, that was something a lot of us expected to see. But Crusoe has kind of earned those minutes this year kind of over a guy like Kuzman, other players, because he's done other things, like you said, a part of the fit, parting, fitting into this team and what they're trying to do. Alex Cruz is playing really good defense. He's kind of diving for loose balls. He's making open threes. He's cutting. He's passing the ball. Like, he's doing the things that other players on this team need to do. And I think Kuzma could take note from that and say, hey, if I want to get these shots and these minutes and these crunch time minutes next to those guys, these are the types of things I have to start doing. So I think that's why guys like KCP and Caruso have kind of earned a lot of these minutes early on. And Kuzma is still trying to find to find his way on this team because he's been playing mostly in garbage time minutes this year. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's where it is. And I think that's something that, that Kyle, uh, pardon me, not Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso has done really well. He's embraced the fact that, dude, man, I just got to come out and play hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't screw it up. Play good defense. Like, work really, really, really hard on defense. 
um, uh, hit some open shots when I'm asked to, and try and create whenever I had the opportunity. And I think if Kuzma buys into that, he's going to look a lot better just in terms of his game and his performance. And he's also going to deliver a lot more in, in terms of the numbers. Uh, I want to also touch on, touch on you with this as well, Alex, before, before we wrap up here. When you're looking at, at this Lakers roster as constructed, and again, I'm, 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 I'm not saying anything bad about the team. They're freaking, like I said, they're 21 and 3, okay? <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here. I'm, don't act like I'm acting like the sky is falling because I'm not if you're listening. I get it. This is... Uh, one of the, if not the best, people can argue maybe for Milwaukee, it's one of the top two teams in the league for sure, okay? We, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. But when you're looking at it, what's the one weakness you see in this Lakers roster? I don't know. I kind of go back and forth with this. Uh, I, I'm not sure because Rondo is playing so much better lately that before I thought it was really just they needed an additional creator, someone besides LeBron James who could handle the ball and make place for others. And Rondo lately has kind of done that. I'm not sure how sustainable that is. I'm not sure if he's going to shoot 50% from three for the whole season. Probably not. So I still think having another creator out there would help. Like, I, I know they have Crusoe, they have Cook, they have Daniels, but these guys aren't strictly on-ball kind of creators, and they kind of struggle in that role. And I think Rondo has done a good enough job to, to yeah. kind of relieve some of that those worries. I, I still think they really need, a, like, an additional wing defender, like a strong big wing defender to guard a guy like Kawhi. Guarding. Who, comes to mind, who comes to mind when you when you think of I that? I mean, there's really only Iguodala. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> unless, like, a guy like Jay Crowder gets bought out, or even a guy like Robert uh, Covington we saw today with Minnesota. Like, I don't yeah. know if they could pull a trade for him. But that's the type of wing defender I, would, I really would love to see on this team. Because as we saw against the Clippers, like, guys like Kawhi and guys like Paul George and guys like Giannis, those are the guys you're going to have to defend in the playoffs for 40 minutes a game because they're, they're not going to be going to the bench very often. So they need to have uh, someone besides KCP out there as your only guy to throw on them. That's, I, I would say, probably a big, big wing defender. What about you? I, I'm not, I, I agree with you. I think Iguodala would just would be such a huge help to this team, and it'd be even better, like, help get closer to the ceiling of this team than, than, than it already is right now at 21-3. and three. But I, I do think that, and I, I think they're able to add just something off the bench that provides them a consistent you know, like a consistent defender, a consistent scorer or whatever that is. And that's where Iguodala kind of addresses that because I'm looking at the stretch now. Okay, the, let's go over this. They're going to go at Orlando, at Miami on, on Friday the 13th. I think that'll be, that obviously is going to be a tough game. The, the Heat are playing real, real well. And yeah. then you go at Atlanta, at Indiana. And then this is a good stretch. You go at Milwaukee on, on December 19th, uh, home to the Nuggets on, on uh, the 22nd. And then obviously you have that big Christmas day against the Clippers. And that's like, those are the games I want to see this team play now. You know what I'm saying? They passed that test of flying colors. They went into Denver and won. They went into Utah and, and, and won handily. I mean, obviously, the, the Jazz were without Mike Conley. I don't think he would have made a difference in that game. And then they went out and beat up uh, Portland with the new and improved Carmelo Anthony. Anybody who thought the Lakers should have signed him, shut the hell up right now because that is the stupidest thing. there. Because that team, the Portland team, is not very good. So he's putting up, again, my argument, you can put up good numbers on a bad team. You know what I mean? But, I mean, when, when I'm looking at that stretch and then they go at Portland on the 28th, home to Dallas on the 29th. Like, those are the games that we're going to start seeing where this team needs to improve and, and, and where it doesn't. So, so for me, those holes that they might have, and they're, they're few and far between right now, I, I agree with you. I think they're able to get a big man, who, a big wing defender, and a guy who can come in and you know is going to be able to hit a couple of threes from you every night and has the capability. Doesn't mean he has to do it every, every game, but has the capability of scoring 15 tonight. Uh, I think that's, that, that will put the Lakers almost over the top, if, not they're, if they're not already there. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to see that Clippers rematch. Like, obviously, like everyone is just because it's, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers. But I want to see how the Lakers match up with the Clippers now. Like, yeah. now that they're, they've are they hit, like, their stride, they know how to play well with each other. And everyone would probably be healthy by then with Bradley back and Rondo. So I really want to see how they match up now next to the Clippers. I, I hope. And I really want to see how they guard Kawhi and Paul George. And to see how they match up, to see how much they need that extra wing defender. Because in that first game, Kawhi just dominated us. Like he, oh, yeah. In that second quarter against KCP, he just did whatever he wanted. So I really want to see how they match up against the Clippers now. And of course, the Bucks. Like I don't think people are talking about the Bucks enough this year. They have the same... I mean, I'm not sure if they played today or not, but they were tied with the Lakers for the best record going into today. And they have the same kind of defensive and offensive metrics as the Lakers. So they're playing just as well. And yeah, I really yeah. want to see how they handle Giannis and Brooke Lopez and stuff. Oh, I'm looking forward to that game, too. I know people have that game circled with the Clippers, but to me, that Milwaukee game on the 19th, although it's the end of a five-game road trip, so the Lakers might not be completely kind of, yeah. you know, there in terms of energy, but, man, that that's going to be awesome to see. I mean, the Bucks have won 14 games in a row, too, man, so it's going to it's gonna be fun to see. We'll, we'll wrap up on this one, Alex. I'm going to put you on the spot. Don't take it negatively and don't don't get whatever, right? <laughs> Who's been the worst? Okay, let's, well, let's, let's cancel out Jared Dudley. Because he barely gets to play, and he has the same body shape as I do, which is not a good thing. Um, okay. Let's let's go with this. Who is the worst Laker right now so far this season? Who are you most disappointed oh. in on the roster? Oh, who have I been? Okay, who have I been most disappointed with on the roster? Um, you know what? I I it's probably going to be either between uh, Troy Daniels or Quinn Cook. I I kind of really thought Quinn Cook specifically was going to play a bigger role this year. I thought he was going to be their backup point guard, not Rondo. I thought I thought him and Rondo would yeah. try to split minutes and Caruso would be the guy, unfortunately, who would who would be able to find playing time. But uh yeah, I, I've been kind of underwhelmed with Quinn Cook this year. He's not making his open threes, which is one thing, and that's kind of what he was brought in to do. And defensively, like I know he tries out there and stuff. He's just so small that it, we saw that today in that in that second quarter or in that third quarter too when they went to that three guard lineup that I, I don't like when they do that three guard lineup with Daniels Caruso and Quinn cook. Like, I, I just don't like that. I think Same. they're just way too small defensively, but I think Quinn cook individually, he just gets overmatched a lot. Like he gets back cut. He gets posted up a ton, gets scored on a lot. And if he's not making his threes either, and he's not the greatest on ball creator, he kind of just doesn't really offer too much on the table. Like I know he's like in the playoffs, he could prove to be really clutch and hit a lot of shots. But at this point, I, I would say either him or Daniels. What about you? I would go with Quinn Cook as well. I, I actually had like because I watched a ton of Warriors games over over the last few years just because they were on so much and they were they were so good. You know what I mean? Especially that 2015, 20, you know, 2016, 2017, 2017, 2018. I believe that the 2017, 2018 was the first year there. But um, when I'm watching, I'm like, yeah, he had the capability of hitting some big shots and 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 he kept his team in the game in terms of offensively. Never been a great defender, uh, but just his offensive performance. Because I was with you, I thought he would get some run over Rondo. And as good as Rondo is offensively, obviously he stinks defensively. He's a turnstile. But, I mean, his shooting has been great. He's been much better than Quinn Cooks. He's a top-five guy in terms of percentage. So, to me, Quinn Cook is, is probably the guy I've been, I've been disappointed in as well. I'll get you. Okay, we'll wrap up on this one. Final one. When do you think the Lakers' next loss comes? The winds, are com the winds are coming to plenty. <laughs> when do you think the next loss comes? Ooh. Okay, so they play Wednesday, Orlando. Um, you know what? I'm going to say – I'm going to say – that Miami game on Friday could be tough because they're going to be in, you know, they're going to Orlando. I guess they'll have a day off in Miami. You know, guys are probably going to want to party that night or something. So I think that Friday game against Miami could be it. But you know what? 
something always weird happens in Orlando. Like, yeah. I think the last couple of years, they've got blown out in Orlando a few times just because they're not ready for that team for whatever reason. And Orlando's also has a lot of size. So I kind of want to see how the Lakers match up with that size and if they can exploit that against them or not, because Orlando actually has a ton of bigs. Like, they always draft centers. So they have a ton of guys on their team who could defend the paint. So I want to, I think either this, in these next two games, I think it could come. All right, folks, that's Alex Regula being non-committal on the final after. <laughs> I'll right? say Miami. I'll say Miami. <laughs> okay, he's committing to Miami. But, uh, Alex, love reading your work, man. If you, if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out, uh, you guys can uh, read it on silverscreenandroll.com. Uh, he's also contributed to Bleacher Report, does a ton of other great stuff, including a podcast with our Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. Alex, thanks again for doing this, man. Always have fun having you on. Yeah, man. Thanks again. All right, you can follow Alex as well on Twitter at Alex M. Regula. And don't forget to check us out as well at Lakers SBN. And of course, like I said, we are on every single platform that you can find your podcast fix. We are on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we are there. Don't be afraid to subscribe. And of course, you can leave us a rating. Hopefully it's five stars. You can leave four if you want, but that's just because of Alex's performance tonight, not mine. Uh, that, that does it for this episode. Lakers sitting at 21 and three overall. They're getting back at it on Wednesday in Orlando. And uh, we'll check you guys out next episode coming up next Sunday. 